Hey everybody, it's Jesse Pornak, the Director of Marketing here at 7 Figure Flipping. Today's podcast is about seller financing. It comes from last week's virtual event. The presenter is Andy McFarlane. If you don't know who Andy McFarlane is, he's Bill's mentor. So when he talks, we all listen. He's also going to be talking on stage at this year's Flip Hacking Live in October in San Diego. The price is actually going up very soon. So if you want to get to Flip Hacking Live, which you should because it's going to be amazing, click the link in the description. You're never going to get a better deal than what's in there right now. We'll see you there. That's enough from me. Here's the podcast. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. So a little bit of introduction about me. I'm going to date myself here. Uh, I bought my first property. I looked it up earlier today. March 12th. Ready? Drum roll. 2003. 2003. Anybody doing the quick math there? It's over 20 years now. 20 years and almost six months ago now. That's when I bought my first property. I started researching before that. Some of you guys have taken a few months to do your first deal. They haven't done your first deal. But you know, you kind of started real estate before that. I started real estate like six months or a year before that because some random guy I bumped into at a basketball court said, you should read this book. And I did. And that got me on this, uh, this train of thought of doing all of these things, right? So that was 20 years ago. So um, a little bit about me now. Started that over 20 years ago, 20 and a half years ago now. Um, I've got a team of people and I was a slow starter guys. Like some of you guys would be thinking, Oh, I'm going to tell you some things. You guys are like, Oh, I'm not that. It's okay. I was a super slow starter. I bought and sold over 2000 deals. Now over 2000, we do over a hundred properties per year in multiple different States. I live in Utah, invest a lot in Utah. I uh, do some stuff in New Mexico, do some stuff in Indiana as well. But, uh, my active business, I buy and sell houses, flip them, wholesale them, um, retail flip them. We'll fix them up. And actually I'm a fix and flip investor as well. Um, so I've done tons of deals. Um, but the bottom line was this, I started this 21 years ago, let's call it. The only reason I started is not because I liked houses. I, st I don't like going to houses today. I actually don't love real estate. Shocking, right? You guys are in this being like, what? This guy's supposed to be like teaching me all this stuff. He loves real estate. I don't really love real estate. Here's the only reason I started. And maybe some of you guys can relate to this. All I wanted was freedom. Period. Done. End of sentence. I want to do what I want to do with who I want to do it with when I wanted to do it. That's it. That's the only reason I started this. I started real estate for that because I believed that real estate could give me freedom. And my life right now, and I, I, ha I hate these like intros of people are bragging about themselves and stuff, but like my life right now is exactly what I didn't even know it could be 21 years ago. My life is great. I have a wife and four kids. We travel a lot. I don't post anything on social media because it's not for anybody else. It's for me. Um, I get to go and help my neighbors and my friends. I can go to long lunches with friends. I can spend time with my you know, siblings. Like, life, my life is great. I love my life. It's not that I don't have problems, but I definitely have achieved that freedom that I started out with. Uh, and now I'm able to continue to do that, right? So I do have that. So is it true? Can you actually do this? Some of you sitting on this car right now will be like, is anybody actually going to get like financial freedom and free time freedom of this? Yes, 100% it's true. Um, if we ever meet each other in person, I, I promise you it's true. And I promise you, I am not any more special than you are. I started out 21 years ago. I was a dock worker, okay? I got fired from being a dock worker. True story. I don't have time for it right now. I was skateboarding on a dock and I got fired, okay? So I'm not like this super smart. Bill Allen is like a, a master's degree and like 
you know, aerodynamic, whatever he's, you know, he's an engineer. I'm not that. Okay. I'm not like, I'm just an average guy, but I started doing this 21 years ago almost now. And I've been able to do this. So it is true. These things can produce financial freedom for you. They can produce time freedom, which is the only reason I think you guys are here. I hope that's the case. Anybody, I'm going to take a drink now. I'm going to everybody say in the chat, are you here for freedom or are you here because you actually like real estate? You like to HGTV. Only one person. That's great. Time, time, freedom. Yep. That's it. That's why everybody starts. That's where everybody starts. Okay. We don't have that much time here today. I'm hoping to give you guys a little bit, just a taste of something like, what would I want to know? Um, so I'm not going to talk about marketing channels. I'm gonna give you a brief intro. Okay. To that. There's two different ways you can do marketing. You can do paid marketing, which gets stuff coming to you, but it costs a lot of money. I know you guys are thinking like, I don't have a lot of money, Andy. I get it. Paid marketing does work. Unpaid marketing is brute force effort stuff, like bootstrapping stuff that Vaughn talked about a lot of that. That's great too. Wherever you are, that's great. You're producing leads. Okay. You need to produce those leads. All those things work. Currently, right now, my company, I spend a lot of money on mail, on PPC, yes, Google pay-per-click stuff. We invest in SEO, Facebook ads and things. And I also do TV. Yes, I run TV ads. Okay. So um, I do all of that. That produces a bunch of leads that come into my CRM. I've got a team of people. I got sales reps and stuff. That's not what I'm here to talk about today. What I am here to talk to you guys about today is one little thing. He's talking about seller financing. Here is the opportunity right now that's unique in our market. I've been doing this for 21 years. This is a unique opportunity in our market. And the market changes all the time, right? There's a unique opportunity in our market right now. So I want you guys in the chat, because I like seeing this thing blow up next to me. In the chat, if you have, uh, if you own a property, if you guys are property owners, like your own house, right? You own a property. If you own a property and you either own it free and clear or your 30-year fixed interest rate is three and a half percent or less, say yes. Let's just see it in the chat. If you own it free and clear, it's 35. Yes is blowing up there. And you know why that's the case? Because we've had such low interest rates for so long. I mean, crazy low interest rates. You guys remember like you used to brag about a 3% interest rate and then your friend told you that like, oh, I got a 2.75 and you're like, what? You're blown away, okay? I'm gonna tell you a story in a second about a neighbor of mine who has a 1.8% interest rate. And I'm like, oh, wow, you got a 15 year rate at 1.8? He says, no, I got a 30 year fixed at 1.8% interest rate. It's a VA loan, but still, it's still. So what is, the, what is the greatest opportunity right now this real estate market is providing for us? I mean, judging from all of your guesses, I would say, I don't know, 60, 70% of people have either no mortgage or they owe, they've got a three and a half percent or less interest rate. And what are the going rates right now? Do you guys know? We watch them like every day, seven, seven and a quarter, seven and a half, something like that. So that low interest rate that everybody has, they're not really valuing it that much. I mean, they want it. The reason why the real estate market is like, is what it is right now is because nobody's putting their house in the market because they have a great interest rate. So they don't want to sell because they don't want to trade into a 7% interest rate. I get that, right? But the opportunity is so many people have these cheap rates. So you guys have probably heard, experienced investors, you guys have heard all this before. You know, it's like all-inclusive trustees, wraparound mortgage, subject to, or whatever fancy term people come up for right now. I'm going to show you guys something. And Bill, I don't know if you're taking a drink or whatever. I'm going to show you something you've never seen before. I told you guys I've been doing this for 20 years now. You ready for this? I pulled this out of my drawer back here. 20 years ago. Who's ever seen this? Subject to, that's what I do, training manual. What year is this? 2003. I got a training manual in 2003, 20 years ago from a guy who was doing this technique. And did he invent it? No. The only difference was they did not have interest rates like we have right now, right? This is crazy what I have right now. And you can read through this manual, all the stuff these I'm talking about there. I'll give you the high points of what it is here. It's not changed. I don't care who's teaching it, what cool like spin they put on it. It's the same thing. 
first of all, I want you guys, if you don't, if you leave this calling you what you don't recognize, I, I just want you to recognize this one thing, experienced or inexperienced, whatever, just know this one thing, those interest rates, you can not assume it, but you can go in and you can purchase that property and keep that interest rate in place. You can keep that loan. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show you some specific examples I've done. One is a couple of weeks ago, right? You can do this. So if you get nothing more from this, just understand Andy's not a super special person. And he recognized there are those interest rates out there. I just proved it to you. And you could actually buy that house and keep that interest rate. It's a real thing. I promise you that. All right. I'm going to show you some specific examples, right? And then we'll talk about how you, how you do it too. Uh, but that is our unique opportunity right now. 100% that is our unique opportunity. Have not seen this in 20 years, this thing, right? I know there's other problems and stuff and like, you know, there's, there's not a lot of inventory and all these things, but this is a unique opportunity. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to actually tell you about the things that like the specific deals that I've done, just so you guys can open your mind and be like, Oh, I would do that deal. That's a cool deal. Uh, and then I'll tell you kind of how you do it. Cause I know you guys want those little techniques and hacks like, okay, Andy, well, how do I do that? Right. Number one, open your mind. It's possible. There's a lot of people with it. It's possible. Right. But before I talk about how you do it, I'm going to tell you guys three specific case studies. Okay. Um, one of them, my neighbor, I could, if I point my thing out there, I could walk down the street. I could show you my neighbor right there. They're selling their house. They know I do real estate and they're like, we're friends. They come to me and they say, Hey Andy, will you talk to me about the real estate? And I'm like, sure. So I go over there and I'm just talking to him. And he says, we want to sell our house. You know, I said, I'm not a real estate agent. I can't help you with that. And I, you know, I, you know, distrust property. I'm basically like a pawn shop of real estate and they're not really distressed. They have a beautiful home and he's got this, uh, and he's, he's got this loan. It's 1.8%. From talking to him and stuff, it's got a 1.8%, he owes 450 grand, 1.8% 30-year fixed loan on that. And he's going to sell his house, I think, somewhere like $800,000 or something like that, right? But the opportunity there is he would let me, if I wanted to buy his house, I guarantee you, he would let me put down whatever that is, uh, $300,000, $250,000, and keep his loan in place, right? And keep that for the duration. Now, there's probably somebody that's going to go buy that house, and they're going to put down whatever it is, you know, 20%, $160,000 or whatever that number happens to be. And they're going to go get a seven, seven and a half percent rate, right? What they don't know is he has that rate. And with a little bit of finding out, a little bit of asking questions, he might let them, he might let them step into that, right? I told him this thing. He didn't even know it was possible. He didn't even know that people do that or you could do that. He thought it was maybe illegal. Uh, I'm not going to buy that house, by the way. I'm just illustrating the point that like, they're all around you right now. They're all around you. That did not come from my marketing. That came from me just talking to people. He's opening my mouth, right? Okay, let's talk about two that came from my marketing. We send a lot of paid marketing, okay? We get these leads that come in. Uh, and by the way, here's a step for you that you're not gonna get anywhere else. You experience investors. Of all the properties that I've done this year, how many properties did we put under contract with some form of seller finance? Put it in the notes here. I wanna hear, what percent? What percent? Done almost 100 properties this year. What percent of them had some form of seller financing on? Oh, I'm seeing 60, 80, 90, 20, 45, 100%. Yeah, you guys, 100%, whatever, 80%. Not that good. Bill sold it big, king of other finance, all that stuff. Come on. I'm not the king. This, you know, this has been done a long time. Uh, oh, and Anna Stolop. I don't know if I said your name right. Alana Stolop. Ding, 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 ding. She put 24%, 22%. 22% of all the deals we put under contract this year have had some form of seller financing, meaning the, the seller agreed to let us keep it long-term or at least for a short term so we could do a flip. And I'll talk about that in a second too. But the, the two deals, I'm just going to talk about one because I want to get into some of the meetups for you guys. I bought a house. So marketed, the call came in. My sales rep goes and negotiate this using the techniques we're going to talk about in a second. Get a house under contract for $250,000, okay? The house is worth $330,000. Need some work. Got it under contract for $250,000. The kicker was this. He talked to them and found out that they had a loan. It was a great loan. And they didn't necessarily need uh, to pay it off, right? As you talked to them. So they had a $222,000 loan. I get this, 2.75% interest, 30-year fixed. 
So we brought that property. My flip slash wholesale company purchased that property for 250 grand. So we put down, there's the, what, $28,000. And we kept that loan in place of 222 at 2.75% interest. We got their login, logged in, changed the auto draft, right, to my company, right? So we own this property. And we were just going to flip it. And then we found it was 2.75% interest, pays down great principal. We're like, you know what? Let's actually see if we can make our flip profit by just wholesaling that. And now all the while, like, you guys might think this weird, but like, I, I'm not involved in all the properties necessarily, but I kind of like look through and see what inventory we're getting and like cherry pick stuff for rentals. So I saw that property. And I'm like, Ooh, I might want that as a rental property. So I told my dispositions manager, I said, Hey, send that out to the market, but I might be interested in that. So he sends it out. We sent it out for $290,000. Uh, and we had a couple of people bidding on it. And only somebody said they want it for 292. He texts me and says, Andy, we got 292. Do you want to match that price? And by the way, I need to match that price for myself because I have people that get paid a percentage of net profits and I'm not going to steal that from them. If hopefully that makes sense. So my company, flip company, wholesales this property. I step in and say, yes, I'm going to match that price. I'm going to buy it from myself for $292,000. So I bought that property now. I mean, think you guys, I know it's a lot of money, but would you pay $292,000? What is it? $70,000 down. Would you pay $70,000 down for no junk costs and to have a 2.75% interest 30 year fixed rate? Would you pay it? If you had the 70 grand, right? I get that's a lot of money. Uh, I did. I raised my hand and said, my rental company will now buy that from my whole, from my flip company. So my flip company made a $40,000 profit, less a little bit of friction, you know, probably $37,000 because there's some friction costs there. Um, they made $37,000. And I, as a buy and holder, happily bought this property from myself and I've kept that as a long-term rental, right? That's going to be a long-term rental. So that is a property that happened. Like literally I bought that like two weeks ago. I bought that for myself two weeks ago, right? So now that is an opportunity. It exists in this market right now. I love that property. I'm grateful to have it, right? Now I know you're asking yourself, that's great, Andy. That's great for you. But like, okay, there's probably people out there that have those properties, but how would I ever get a property like that? Okay, here's the nitty gritty. Here's the dirt. And by the way, this, these principles work for a lot of different things, not just real estate, okay? Here's what you need to do. And a lot of people, by the way, say that they're good at these things, but when you actually watch them, just watch people, they're, they're really not that good at this. Really, it's sales in a nutshell, but they're not that good at this. And here's what it is they're not good at. And I'm doing the opposite of it right now because I mean, I'm watching you guys on the screen, but then I can't, right? Because I can't, but listen, watch the next time you're in a conversation with anybody or you're watching people in conversations, who's listening in that conversation and who's talking. As experienced real estate investors, we're the worst at this. We get out there and we're like, I'm Johnny Experience. I'm going to go tell them how to do this, right? They don't care how experienced you are. You need to listen to them and their unique circumstances as if it's like the first time you've ever heard it, even though you've heard the same scenario over and over again, right? So what I'm telling you this is, if you get nothing more from this is one, this is possible too. I know you think you're good at this. You guys that have done 500 deals this year and you're like, I'm bigger and better than this whole thing. I get it. Do you listen? Are you actually good at listening? Because my guess is we can be better. I can be better at listening. So step one, go in there and just be quiet and listen to the person, okay? Listen to them. And when you listen to them, like let's talk about my neighbor across the street. I went over there and I said, what are you trying to do? Well, we're moving in, in two months. Really? Why are you moving? I got a promotion. It's great. It's a promotion I never thought I was going to get. But here's the problem. We've lived here for 10 years. I've never sold a house before. I'm like, okay, cool. What are you going to do? I don't know. We're going to list it. Like, we're scared it won't sell that fast. I'm like, okay, well, tell me what's going on. Do you have equity? You know, what do you owe? And as I'm listening and asking these follow-up questions, they told me all this stuff. They need to move quickly. They've got a great loan and a great mortgage. And they're just like, uh, what, what are we going to do here, right? So I just took the time to listen, repeat back to them what I heard, and just ask follow-up questions. If you do that, if you ask questions and don't make statements, don't assume you go into a lot of these situations, especially real estate investors, when you think, you know, you go in there assuming something, or you go in there trying to push your agenda. 
oh, Andy talked about you know, subject to or all-inclusive trustees or wraparound mortgages. I'm going to go there and I'm going to create one of those deals. No, you know it's possible. And then you go into that situation and you say it's possible, but I'm not sure if it's going to work here. I need to listen to the specific seller and see if it's a possibility for this one, right? What is their needs? What are they trying to do? If it doesn't fit, don't try to cram it in just so you can say, hey, I got this deal. No, listen to that person. But if they're saying a situation like, I'm moving, or this person that we inherited this property, the person's passed away, they've got this great loan, we're trying to sell this thing, right? You're going to determine that they've got a loan, you're not to ask those type of questions. Like you think to yourself, this person whose credit is on has passed away, or they don't need to get another loan immediately, right? You're listening to these cues, you're like, okay, I might be able to do this, I might be able to talk them into this, right? So listen, don't assume, ask questions, do not assume, I promise you that. Uh, and then ask more questions. If I understood you right, you said this. And if I understand you right, here's what you said you're trying to do. Really? Tell me more about that, right? Seriously, active listening and mirroring is the most important thing you think you do that you don't. I'm being blunt. Like, you just don't do it. You think you do it and you don't do it, okay? Uh, Stephen Covey said it best. He said, seek first to understand, then to be understood. You're going to be the greatest real estate investor in the world, but you need to seek first to understand that person, their specific needs, and then now they'll be open to listening to you because you understand their circumstances. If I understand you right, Mr. Seller, you said that you need this, this, and this, and here's what you have going on. Did I understand you right? And they're like, yes. So you've done two things there. One, you understand them. You've given them that like, oh, he understands me. He gets it. And that's going to get them in rapport with you. And now they're ready to listen to what you've got, right? And they've had a little bit of trust there with you, right? Super important. Now, once you do that, you need to be responsible and recognize that this is a possibility. Like, okay, is this a situation where I can do a subject to where I can leave their loan in place, right? But I would say things like this. What if we could find a way, Mr. Seller, that you could sell this property and you could get the cash that you need for this? What if we could find a way to do that on the date because you said you needed to move next Thursday and you don't want to move anything out? What if we could find a way to do that, right? Now, remind me, you said you owed what? $222,000. Gotcha. To who? Wells Fargo. Okay, cool. So if we sold, if I bought this for $250,000 using that example I had before, right? $50,000. At closing, you're going to get how much? And she's doing the math. She's like $28,000. Perfect. You're going to get $28,000. So if you get your $28,000 in that day, would you mind if Wells Fargo, because you owe that money, would you mind if they had to wait a little bit to get their money? And that's pretty much the way she's going to be like, well, what do you mean? Like, I mean, I'm getting my money, right? Yes, you're getting all of your money. What do you mean wait? Like, what do they have to wait? Look, I could probably pay you a little bit more if you're willing to let them wait to get their money just a little while, right? That's opening this conversation to them. Does that make sense? The way you're framing that. Now, if I go into there and say, like, hey, I just got off this phone call and they said that, you know, I could do an all-inclusive trustee. So, Mr. Seller, uh, would you leave your loan in place so I could assume your loan and so I could pay, make your payments and do an all-inclusive trustee? And they're just thinking like, oh, I, no, 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 I'll never do that, right? A confused mind says no. But if you talk through them, you understand they have a loan. That's a loan that you'd like to keep making those payments on, servicing the payments, not assuming them. Um, and it's a situation where like, hey, I might be able to pay you a little bit more money if you're willing to do that, right? That makes sense. It's all about listening to them so that you understood them first and now they're willing to listen to you. And then the way you frame it to them, uh, if it makes sense, it makes most sense to them, right? So that's how we've done uh, a lot of deals. I'll just listen to sellers like that. I, I guarantee you, I could talk my neighbor into doing that. If I wanted to put $300,000 down and buy a $850,000 house, uh, I could, I, you know, he'd let me service that 1.8% uh, interest rate. I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to have a rental across the street from me and it's not really a rental neighborhood. Um, but uh, do you see how I could do that? How, how did I find that? Like, he was just a person, right? He didn't know. He's 50 some odd years old. He had no idea this was even possible. I'm guessing many of you guys on this call were thinking like, I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't even know it was possible. I didn't even know the greatest opportunity in real estate sitting right in front of me is that like 70% of the people in the United States 
have a 30 year fixed under 33 and a half percent, right? So my goals for this call were this. I know we don't have a lot more time. Bill, you can tell me how much time I have. I, I think we're kind of wrapping up. But if you guys get nothing more for this, one, it's possible. Two, we're in the greatest time of having these rates. Like this is unprecedented. This is crazy rates that people have there. That's possible. And two or three, you can absolutely do this. I promise you I'm not smarter than you. I just got this 20 some odd years ago, right? I just learned about that 20 some odd years ago. And I've just had 20 some odd years of talking to sellers and and working through different frameworks of how to talk to them about that, right? Adding value to them, making sure always it's giving more than I'm taking. But the, all these people that I bought these houses from in this manner and other, and other creative financing, which we don't have time for today, they're all extremely happy that we did it. They're extremely happy that I had the tools, that I had the knowledge how to help them with that because they made more money and it helped me and it helped them. Does that make sense? It's a win-win. So you owe it, guys. You get owe it to these sellers that you're going to go talk to to be able to be a professional enough to give them all those options so that they can actually uh, have a better situation than one that's going to work out well for you. Make sense? And Andy, Andy, you. Yes. this is the fastest I've ever heard you talk. Maybe because you thought I had you like under the gun on time. Yeah, but, you gave um, me like 20 minutes. I know, but if there, if you have more to share, like uh, you can take some time, like take some time. So uh, there's, for sure. keep going. Okay. And, and also too, uh, you, I'm, I, the tough thing with this forum is there's questions that I think you guys have, but I'm not exactly sure that you have, uh, but I, I'll go over it. Well, maybe I'll take a little poll. How many of you guys want to hear like some common objections that I might hear from a homeowner when they're like, they're never going to do it because of this, right? Maybe those common objections. Yes, please. Some common objections. Cool. And if you guys have any other burning questions like this isn't possible, no way it's illegal. We can't do that. You didn't do that. You didn't just buy a rental two weeks ago at that rate. Cool. Challenge me on it. I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Um, but here's, here's some of the things I hear. Um, by the way, you're overcoming a lot of these initially because you've listened to them. They trust you. You're in rapport with them. And you've proven that you're a person that like actually cares because you've listened to them and you understand their circumstances. Don't overlook that. Like that is the most important thing you can do in your life in different relationships, especially as it pertains to seller financing. Uh, extremely important. Don't overlook that. And I know you guys are thinking, I do that. Check yourself because I need to check myself. I'm not as good at that as I think I am. Okay. We all can be better at that. So that's another thing I hope you guys take from this call. Uh, one of the things I might say, okay, well, what if we do this? If Wells Fargo has to wait for their money, Andy, uh, what about my credit? What's that going to do to my credit? You know, is that going to be okay? And from listening to them, I hope I understand where they're going. If they're immediately moving and they need to get a new loan, could be an issue, could be an issue because there's a thing called the debt to income ratio. They have a loan, they have an obligation there and the lender is not going to give them a new loan. They see they have a car loan, a boat loan and this little house loan and the income they make doesn't cover all those payments, right? So the lender may be like, eh, we're not going to give you a new loan. So if that's going to be an issue for them, if they're going to buy immediately, you definitely need to look into that because this is definitely going to stay on their credit. Now, if they're not buying immediately, uh, you can tell them, talk to your lender on this, but it's 12 months. What I've heard is most lenders is 12 months. If you sold your property, but that loan stayed in place and you can show that somebody else, me, my professional company has been making that payment for 12 months, the lender, the new lender should look at that and say, they're going to take that off of your uh, debt to income ratio. They're going to take that. They're going to disregard the debt because obviously this person's paying for it. Again, talk to your lender, but that is the counsel I tell people. You go talk to your lender on that. That's counsel. And I would also say, by the way, especially if they were behind on payments, which some of these guys are, they get in foreclosure, we catch up their payments. I tell them, yeah, this is actually going to be great for your credit because guess what? I make the payments on time. So it's going to be building your credit because I'm going to make the payment on time every month because you better believe that money that I put down, I'm a professional company. What I don't want is to give this house back to you. And what I don't want is to have any sort of late payments. Uh, I'm in the business of doing this and doing this right and building and, and, and uh, doing it the right way. And if you want an evidence of that, they're like, well, how am I going to know you're going to make my payment? Remember that little 1-800 number that's on that Wells Fargo, that strip? I would encourage you call that 
we're going to make that payment on the first of the month. You call it on the fifth of the month and it's going to say your payment was received in the amount of $1,249 on September 1st, right? So I tell them, call that. And if you ever, for whatever reason, that's not there, you call me because I promise you we're going to make that payment on time. And I know your first time you can't say you've done this, but this is where I would also have an arsenal of sellers I've worked with in the past and to say, if they really, it's a sticking point with them, I can say, well, why don't you talk to Tom, Susie, and Helen, you know, here, here's their name, here's their number, call them and say, hey, did Andy or his company do what they say they're going to do, right? I haven't had to give that many, you'd be surprised. I have not had to give references to many sellers. Most people will just believe you because, you know, you're, you tr they trust you because you've listened to them, you understand the circumstances, but the sticky ones that need that, I'll give them all the information because I'm upright. I'm honest, I'm doing the things I say I'm gonna do. So I have no problem giving the references of sellers or my attorney or title companies or anybody I've worked with to say like, yep, Andy's gonna do that. He's done that hundreds of times and he'll totally do that for you. I get it when you first start out, you can't do that, but be building those, those, uh, those that Rolodex of sellers that you can call back on because there might be some sticky sellers in the future that want that. So that's their credit, right? How's it gonna affect their credit? It is, but it could actually build their credit. And after 12 months, talk to your lender, but it's gonna come off your debt to income ratio. Uh, and um, other people have questions about uh, paperwork, right? So how am I deal with all this paperwork? I would tell you guys right now, we don't have the time to go over all the paperwork, but don't get tripped up on it. You can use whatever Repsy real estate purchase contract, right? That you're currently using, use that. You can just write an addendum in there saying, um, referencing this, that the seller agrees to leave their loan in place in the amount of approximately $222,000 at 2.75% interest. Agrees to leave their loan in place. You can do all the rest of the title, the paperwork at title. You can find people, once you get it under contract, don't get tripped up on it. Put it in the addendum, right on the back of a napkin, whatever you got to do, just get them to agree to it, write that down. And you can have the title company or the attorney or whoever help you write up the specific way to do that, right? Don't get tripped up. You do not have to know how to do this paperwork. It's not that hard, frankly, but don't let it trip up your deal because after you get off the phone, after you sign that contract, now you can go and talk specifics for your state from other investors that have done it or title companies or attorneys that have done it. And I promise you, it's, it's not as hard as you think, right? Don't get tripped up on the paperwork. Other people say, is this legal? The seller's like, I don't know, I've never heard of this before. It's probably not even legal, right? You can't do this. Look, I can't assume your loan. I cannot assume. I'm not going to go qualify for your loan. With the exception of VA loans, you can actually keep your loan. This 1.8% interest across the street, if I was a veteran and had VA capability, if I was Bill Allen, he could actually apply and assume that guy's loan. They'd keep the 1.8, he could assume that loan. I can't do that. I wasn't a veteran. Thank you for your service, Bill Allen. Um, but that is an assumable loan. But all the other, <laughs> yeah, all the other loans, uh, they're not assumable. I'm not assuming. And I don't actually don't tell them I'm assuming. I'm going to service that payment. I'm going to make that payment. I'm going to service that payment. I'm not going to assume. I'm never going to use the language I'm assuming. I'm just going to say, you know, we're going to make sure that get payment gets made. I'm going to service that, that payment, right? It makes sense. Is it legal? Uh, yes, it's legal. Now, every lender has written into their paperwork a thing called a due on sale clause. And you might hear people say that, a naysayer, right? Your neighbor friend's like, oh, yeah, you can't do that. Lenders have a due on sale clause. They're going to call that loan due. I've been doing this now for 20, over almost 21 years now. I've seen a loan called due once, once. And that specific circumstance was the guy was way far behind. The foreclosure was coming up like the next week. I bought it, transferred title. It happened to be with Wells Fargo, which is why I use them as an example. I transferred title and I caught up all the arrearage and everything made them totally current. And they must've thought that was a little bit fishy because whoever in their department looked up title and saw that title had transferred. So they sent me a cute little letter that said, title has been transferred, this loan, you know, is not assumable or whatever, you need to transfer title back or you need to pay off this loan or we're going to foreclose on you. And you know what I did? I was fixing and flipping that house anyway. I ignored them. I kept making that payment. They kept accepting that payment and I fixed it up in like two months. I put it on the market. They kept accepting my payment. 
And then I sold that property and I was out of that property in four to five months. That's it. I got a letter. They have the right, but not the obligation to call that loan due. And they sent me a little letter and I just chose to ignore it. If they chose to not take my payment that first month, okay, great. If I chose to not make the payment the next, take the payment the next month, that's fine. It takes like four months for them to foreclose in Utah. So I think I had a, I had a few months, right? It was in their best interest to take that payment and they did. So they wrote a nasty letter. Is it illegal? No. Due on sale clause, it's there in every loan. Haven't seen it called due yet. And we could have some healthy banter about whether they're going to start doing that because of the historical interest rates. I don't think they're going to. I don't think the banks want to create in that mess. They have enough issues with loans that are uh, non-performing anyway, right? Um, Bill, any other common concerns you think? Or you guys in the comments, I've, I've covered a few common concerns I'm going to have, but what else might a seller say? I think I've covered most of the ones, but. Yeah, I think this is good. We also have some Q&A time towards the end, like after um, after go. we talk next. So I've, I've written down some of the other questions that we haven't talked about. Maybe one that just keeps coming up and keeps coming up is insurance. Yeah. Um, Ooh, so if you talk to how question. do you insure the property if you take it over sub two or, um, I mean, owner carries a little different. So. Yeah, for sure. I sub used to insurance. do it. So like that one, that loan, uh, $222,000, 2.75% interest. It's $1,248-ish a month, P-I-T-I. So that insurance is being paid in that. That insurance is for the borrower, Mrs. Murphy. That's not me. So if something happens bad to that property and the title's transferred, that insurance that's being paid through title or being paid through that uh, that um, that payment is not going to cover me. They're going to see a title's transferred. You can't assure something you don't own. So that insurance pretty much is just to keep the, the mortgage company happy. So I used to try to do some you know, beneficial. I used to try to do something and keep that in place and make be an additional assured and all that stuff. What I do now is it's a cost of doing business with this cheap interest rate. I just get a different insurance policy. I go pay for a different insurance policy. So I'm paying that 1,285 bucks on the 222,000 alone. And I have like an, another 800 or $900 insurance policy. That's what is in Utah. Sorry if you're in Florida, but like I, I just pay an extra 900 bucks and recognize cost of new business. So I get a separate insurance policy. That's how I solve it. 